Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. I'm Griff. I'm Stop. And we do not have Will on this episode. It's Monday, Marathon Monday. Will is running the marathon. But on this episode, (laughs) on this episode, we're going to be covering the first game of round one for each uh, each matchup of the NBA playoffs. We're going to be starting off with the Celtics, obviously, because that's our team. Then we're going to be talking about the Red Sox uh, home opening weekend. Uh, Big weekend for the Red Sox Marathon Monday. Let's get right into it. So, hey guys, welcome back. Um, we're going to start off today's episode, obviously, by talking about our team, the Boston Celtics, in probably what's going to be the game of the year with a uh, 115-114 final over the Nets in game one of the first round of the playoffs after Jason Tatum buzzer beater to close out the game. I mean, where can we even start with this game? This game is just awesome, in, like through in and throughout from opening tip. The game started a little sloppy on both sides, but every everything kind of came together, especially in the second half. What do you, what are your initial thoughts about that game? I mean, this game was just a dogfight. Like it was, it was one of those games where the defense was good in the moments where it needed to, until obviously the final possession that the Celtics had. Um, but a, a very sloppy game through and through. The Nets had sixteen turnovers. Uh, the C's had 14. There was a lot of fouls in this game as well. I think every quarter, both teams ended up in the bonus with at least two minutes left. It was just a crazy game. I knew right when it tipped off, the first bucket was a tough bucket. Every single bucket in this game, uh, give or take a few from Andre Drummond and Horford right on the block wide open, every bucket was not a gimme. Like Every single bucket was a hard bucket to get. It was a great game. Um, Kyrie Irving took over in the second half. It's I mean, it's Kyrie versus Boston. And Boston, I guess you could say won in this scenario. But yes. honestly, we really even did it. I mean, we, we're up one nothing in the series. But Kyrie dropped 39. Stop. How nervous are you? Do we think Kyrie is going to be able to do this for four wins? No. To be honest, if he's doing that and they lost... I can just imagine how mentally taxing that is on the entire team. I mean, granted, KD did not really have a great game. He shot 9 of 24, which is really uncharacteristic. He was missing a lot of shots. He got the ball stripped from him like three, four times, especially in that first half, which we never see. We saw some of his jumpers get blocked too. But kind of returning back to focus on to Kyrie, Kyrie played a near-perfect game. He played a perfect fourth quarter, you know, and – he was talking trash. His fans were trashing on him. It was going back and forth. It was awesome. It was it's what you want to see in playoff basketball, you know. And as a Celtics fan, obviously we hate Kyrie, but that's what sports are all about. Like 
you have a guy, you have a guy that we commonly hate. It's it kind of reminds me a little bit of like old school basketball where everyone in one city kind of hates one player and the player hates them back. And like, it's a rivalry. Like this could generate a, a rivalry for years to come if we're lucky. And it just, what he did, how he did it, how he held himself, like, especially to the fans and them to lose, that has to kill them. Like, what else can you, if I'm Kyrie Irving and I'm sitting here, like, what else can I do? And I don't think he's going to, repeat the performance i think he's gonna play very bad on two, on a wednesday night in the next game i don't think he's gonna carry this performance over i think it's very very hard to do that in back-to-back games in the playoffs um i agree i mean it's difficult i'm not saying that he's not gonna drop like less than 20 i think he's i mean due for 20 every single night at least he's one of the best scorers ever in the history of the nba and a guy that I refer to as the best scorer ever in the NBA is also on this team with Kevin Durant. I think KD dropping 23 points off 9 for 24 shooting, as you said, that's not going to happen. KD's going to turn around. Um, the only way I could see this is uh, see this not happening is Jason Tatum. I mean, we talked about it. Is Jason Tatum going to guard KD? Um, like, Because what will that do for his offense? Jason Tatum, I mean, played both ways pretty much the whole game. And Big props, big props, wow, bad English. Big props to JT, to JB, who got, I mean, absolutely destroyed. I don't think he has a nose anymore. He got slapped in the face at least seven times. Elbows, punched, did all he could. This was a great defensive game from the Celtics, and that's exactly what we need to do. And we saw Grant Williams come off the bench, and he did pretty good. In the first half when he came off, he wasn't that great in the second. Derek White played great defense in the second half. He hit a big three. He he had a couple of buckets. He finished with seven points, four assists. He had three steals as well. This was a big, big game for steals. We had 12 steals as a team. KD had six turnovers, which, I mean, we don't really even see Kevin Durant turn the ball over that often, but it's just the pressure that they applied. Um I want to give huge props as well to Al Horford, finished with the double-double. He had 10 points in the first quarter. And on that last defensive possession, which I don't think gets a, a lot of shine, we clamped them the whole time. It started with Marcus Smart. Al Horford brought the double on Kyrie because that's the guy that's probably going to take the shot. It forced um, him to pass out to KD with like three or four seconds left. Not a lot of time to do anything. You have Jason Tatum, who's one of the best two-way players in the league right now. So with Kevin Durant only having three seconds to get a shot off on JT, I mean, it led to a miss. Al Horford with the board, and we came back. We got a very, very easy layup off the spin move. It was the last 40 seconds of that game for the Celtics were perfectly executed. And you know what? It needed to be perfectly executed or else we were going to lose this game. You know what I really love to see? I mean, you kind of touched upon it with how the final play broke down. but. The defensive stop before Jason Tatum's layup, that entire possession, that's Celtics basketball. That's like just a small clip of what we've seen, especially from the in the entire second half of the year. You know, you had Marcus Smart and Al Horford hounding Kyrie Irving. Kyrie was dribbling third, like 15 of the 24 seconds. I think it was like 20 of the 24 seconds on the shot clock. Kyrie was standing still dribbling, not knowing what to do. They forced him. He drove in a little bit, but then got stopped by uh, 
Derek White forced to go back out, kicks it to KD, and KD had to take two dribbles, and JT was in his face, and he had to take a terrible shot. I mean, Celtics get the rebound, and then Derek White gets it on the outlet, kicks it to Jalen Brown, obviously. Brown spins. He looks like he's going to take a fadeaway, jumps, and then kicks it to Smart. Smart from the pass would have taken that three ten times oh out of ten. Gosh. Oh he my gosh! He pump fakes, draws two defenders in. Two people. Yeah, two defenders jump at him. He drives. KD loses Tatum. Tatum cuts, does a perfect spin move, and lays it in as the t- clock expires. Like the amount of times I've watched that play, like that's just poetry. Like that is the per- that's that's one hundred percent chemistry. The Celtics from the first half of the year would not make that play. What would have happened was Jalen Brown would have taken a contested mid-range jump shot. Whether it goes in or not, we don't know. But the Nets get the rebound, and then it's free throw game from there on. But they got the perfect shot, and I give so much props to Ime Udoka for not calling a timeout. I think that's very underrated because when when he didn't call a timeout, that lineup that they had on the court was contained Kyrie Irving and Goran Dragic, two guys that probably wouldn't be on the court if – they're going in all defensive lineup and Brooklyn was all out of sorts on that final possession. Nick Claxton was like at half court. Like <laughs> if you got to think if Eme calls a timeout to drop a play down one, you figure they're going to go into some sort of zone, have Nick Claxton in the game and have all these guys who can defend like Bruce Brown, Claxton would be in there. Um, obviously Katie, but like a few other mm-hmm. guys that, like Goran Dragic wouldn't have been on the court. Seth Curry probably would have been and was much better defender than Dragic right now. So I I think just how that entire thing folded out was great. But a thing that I really did kind of there are some negatives to that fourth quarter. Obviously, Kyrie Irving did what he wanted. We kind of spoke yeah. about that before. But also Jason Tatum's first bucket in the fourth quarter was that buzzer beater. He did he was he disappeared in the fourth quarter, which we cannot see. You know, like second and, second and third quarter, Jason Tatum was awesome. I, I wanted him to kind of pick it up a little bit more. I think after the first or second timeout, after Kyrie started a spaz, they should have drew up a few plays for Jason Tatum to kind of get back into the rhythm because they only scored 19 points in that fourth quarter, which is unacceptable. You know, they scored 29, 32, and 35. They're up 15 heading into the fourth. You cannot blow a lead, especially in the playoffs, to a much lower seat. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say about um, Jason Tatum's production in the fourth quarter. Just like, should they have gotten him involved a lot more earlier so we wouldn't be in that predicament? You know what? It, it's kind of weird how I'm going to put this, but Jason Tatum at that point in time, you know, we go on a little slump to start the fourth quarter. Um, JT's not getting it done, and, and, and JB's not doing anything, really. We're relying on other guys like Smart and Horford, uh, who worked out. I mean, they both dropped 20 points. And um, the big the big thing about this is, if you look at Tatum's shooting splits, he still shot 50% from the field. He shot 3 for 7 from 3, which isn't terrible. Uh, 10 for 12 from uh, the free throw line, which I swear I only saw his two misses. Two big misses, by the way. First one was the first free throw of the game. Missed one. And then he missed one as well in the fourth quarter. Um, I was nervous. I, I can't lie. I was nervous. But what Tatum did, other than getting uh, getting to the hoop and, and getting his points in the fourth quarter, uh, meant a lot to this team. He, he finished the game with eight assists. I think he had three or four of those in the fourth quarter. 
He got a couple big rebounds in the fourth, and he only finished with four rebounds. He had two blocks. Um, JB also had two blocks, one big one on KD in the fourth. Um, you know, JT didn't get a lot of points. I mean, like you said, I think he had three total points in the fourth. I might be wrong about that, but his first field goal was that layup, and then he went one for two from the line in the fourth quarter. Um but what he brought to us on defense and what he brought to us with his playmaking uh, really helped us a lot. And he knew that he wasn't hitting his shots at that point. So he he had to do everything else that he could possibly do to win. Um, I also wanted to say that last defensive possession, I know I already brought it up. We took a big risk on that. Goran Dragic was wide open because Derek White had to sag off to help with Kyrie's cut. And, and you know what? It just perfectly worked out because Goran Dragic, who had a fantastic game, 14 points off the bench shot, six for 11. Um, he was wide open. And you know what, Goran Dragic with a veteran, I don't think he's scared to take that shot. Would have been a three, would have been the dagger. Uh, we got lucky that we forced him to the to the left. I mean, if you're on defense, right, if you're Kyrie. Because um, if we force him to the opposite side, Goran Dragic is wide open. We took a risk. It worked out. And now we're here on, on Monday evening, and we're up one nothing in the series. And we're just hoping that we can contain Kyrie and KD because we know that the rest of our team compared to the rest of their team minus KD and Kyrie is 10 times better. Do you think that Kyrie and KD have enough stamina to withhold or like to sustain this? Because, I mean, granted Jason Tatum, he played 45 minutes yesterday and he, he didn't look like he was tired. You know, but then you kind of look towards the end of that game. Kyrie Irving, he looked like he was sick. Like, obviously, he's fasting for Ramadan, so he can't drink, he can't eat, which I think this is going to be the only day game in the series, if I'm, I don't think I'm wrong there. But um, that's going to be hard to withhold that for the – or withstand that for the entire series. I mean – I was like, I think I said this in the group chat yesterday. If this game goes into overtime, the Celtics are going to blow them out. Because not only could, uh, in general, I'm confident if Jason Tatum comes out, then Jalen Brown will step up or someone will step up. But if Kyrie or, or KD goes out, I'm jumping off the walls as a Celtics fan. It's like, all right, now we extend our lead. And that's what happened in the second quarter. They These guys can't play all 60 minutes. So when it comes down to it, I don't think that they can kind of hold what – or they can't do what they were doing every single game for the series. No, you're 100% right, Sav. And it's the fact that you, you brought up a great point. And if, if Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum isn't getting it done, we have other people that can step up. If KD or Kyrie um, can't get any production, they're screwed. They don't have anyone else. You can't trust on someone like a Seth Curry – um, he's been very inconsistent this whole season, whether it be with the Sixers or with the Nets. Andre Drummond, who Bruce Brown swore was going to get his in the paint, finished with eight points. He had four rebounds. And, and honestly, Nicholas Claxton had a better game than him, mm -hmm. um, played more minutes than him as well. I think just the fact that Nicholas Claxton was out there in a late game situation, it, it makes me a little less nervous about our big man, um, like our big man struggles not having Rob Will. It, it's just that Nicholas Claxton, he's undersized first off. He does get a good amount of blocks. He had three blocks in this game. Um, A couple of them were big, big blocks, big momentum swings. 
but he's not really someone to be nervous about. Neither is Andre Drummond, especially on the offensive end. I think that running for 41, 42 minutes like Katie and Kyrie did, it's not something they can do in a series. Um, And if it were something that they could do in a series, it would have to be a four-game sweep where they win. But we already took game one. They can't do this for four more games and put up the production that they have. Kyrie, most of the season, was playing less than half of the games, couldn't play in Brooklyn. He hasn't gone through a full season. Um, So, I mean, I would guess that he's not conditioned to play 45 minutes a game in this series. And and KD, same with him, battling injuries. I would guess he's not 100%. He didn't look 100% in game one. And even if he is 100%, you can't trust Kevin Durant to play 45 minutes in a year like this in in six, seven games. I really think if this series goes long, then then say say if the Nets somehow string together three wins and and this goes to six or seven, I think the Celtics blow them out in in game six or, or in game seven. And once we kind of tire them out, we're in the clear. I, I think that their depth is one of the worst, honestly, in the NBA. It, it, and I'm not trying to be biased. They just don't have depth. They have a lot of veterans, which you could see as a good thing, but I see this as a bad thing. They don't have a lot of energy off the bench. You're bringing off people like Patty Mills, Goran Dragic. These aren't momentum-shifting guys, right? But when you come out and you bring out someone like a Derek White or a Grant Williams, they're not great basketball players, but they're young they're fun and they're exciting. That's my like tagline. I always use those three words. That's exactly what you want off the bench. You want someone that's going to bring you energy. And in my opinion, the only two people that can bring the Nets energy is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They can't be doing that if they're playing 45 minutes a game in a six, seven game series. You know, a key highlight that I wanted to kind of close out for this game, KD minus 13, Bruce Brown minus 13. Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. minus 13. Andre, I don't think Andre Drummond's going to start in game two. I think he they're going to start Claxton. Because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, I think he's pretty good on offense. Like, I, I, he's he'll get his in the paint, whatever. He needs someone to facilitate for him. But Claxton defensively brings so much more to the table than Drummond does both offensively and defensively. I'd rather have Claxton on the court for half of, the, I'd rather have him just cherry pick on defense than have Drummond running back and forth. Drummond can't hang with these guys. You know, you got Horford looking like 2012 Al Horford and the uh, <laughs> Atlanta Hawks going 8 of 13. You And then, like, I was really disappointed with how Tice played. I think Daniel Tice really didn't um, – he looked a little nervous. It looked like he couldn't even grab a rebound. Like, he mm-hmm. he ended up with six rebounds, but, like, I feel like he could have easily had a lot more. But the minus 13 for three of your starters is crazy to me. Ky- I mean, minus one for Seth Curry as well. Kyrie was the only one who had a plus in a plus minus category. He had a plus six because of his little like stretch in the fourth quarter. So if I'm the Nets, I gotta figure out what lineup am I gonna run in the in game two. And I I gotta I better hope it sticks. Because I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being Dragic. Kyrie, obviously, KD, Claxton, and um, Bruce Brown. Like, because uh, Drakic was playing awesome. And Seth Curry really didn't do anything. He went three of seven. He had a good first quarter. He was the reason why the Nets were in it in the fourth, first quarter. Mm-hmm. But then he just fell off the face of the planet. So, 
game two is going to be a very it's going to it's really going to show who hit the film room who studied and who learned from their mistakes in game one yeah the the last thing i want to say um before game two because i could probably talk about this game for hours but there's honestly no reason to it was a great game i feel like we got out what we had to say um this is going to be a great series um until game five when, when the Nets get too tired, they don't have the depth. I think we're going to see LaMarcus Aldridge come game two, game three, game four. We're going to see a couple of guys. They're going to try out a couple of things. Um, and it's going to be a dogfight until we tire them out. I think we're a lot better uh, with depth. I think we can kind of bring in guys like Aaron Neesmith and, and um, rely on guys like Derek White, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard uh, down the stretch. Shout out Peyton Pritchard. We met his girlfriend at the Red Sox game this weekend. Um Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I feel like we can rely on guys um, on our bench when it comes to the long run. And the Nets really just do not have that. And after watching game one squeaking out with that W, it, it made me realize a lot of things. And I, you know what? I'm more confident than I was after game one with this Celtics-Nets series. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think what a lot of people don't realize, the Celtics didn't play their best game, but the Nets did. Like yes. minus minus KD, the Celtics played awful. Like Jalen Brown, how many layups did he miss? Like no one. So many. I mean, Jalen Brown also probably couldn't see the amount of times he got hit yeah. in the head. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of factors. The Celtics shot 30% from three. The Nets shot 45. The Nets shot 55% as a team. The Celtics shot 45. So it's like, where do you draw the line? Like the Celtics played bad and they won. Never mind, like the, the Nets played the best. Kyrie played the best game that he could have, and they lost. So, <clears throat> I think that's a perfect segment into the next game we want to talk about about the Jazz and the Mavericks. Okay, if Luca, I mean, this is just my initial thoughts. If Luca doesn't play this series, it's going to be the most boring series ever. Honestly, like, if Luca plays in this series, it, I still think it's going to be a boring <laughs> series. Any series with the Utah Jazz, honestly, just isn't fun. I don't like watching Rudy Gobert play thirty-five minutes in an NBA game. Um, Donovan Mitchell, very exciting player, but I feel like we watch the Jazz play the Mavericks every year in the playoffs, and it's the same thing. I think if Luka comes, um, because I don't think he's playing in game two, right? I'm, I'm pretty I, sure he's I questionable think, right now. Yeah, but he's, he's very, I think he's doubtful actually, because they, I think their coach said he has to make significant strides to actually play. So I don't, I can't see him playing in game. There's, there, I, I don't, I don't think he plays. Um, I, I think the Jazz win this in about five or six. Just because of Luca, I think if Luca comes uh, game three, game four, he kind of could bring them a couple of wins. But I think the Jazz got this pretty easily. I think this is one of those series where it's just like the Jazz are the more complete team right now just because you're missing your star player. And missing your star player, especially when it's Luka Doncic and you look at the rest of this Mavericks team, if you miss him for two games, you're screwed. And, and they relied on a couple of people to step up, and they did. And it still wasn't enough. They played good defense throughout this game. They didn't let up more than 100 points. And they lost this game by six. 
it, it was overall just like, this is kind of what I expected, and this is what I expected to be throughout the whole series. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a very – I mean, like I said, if Luca doesn't play this series, I don't think I'm going to watch a game, to be honest. But, I mean, Mitchell – I mean, Donovan Mitchell did his thing. I guess he took 30 shots, though. He had 32. Um, Rudy Gobert only took one shot, which I was kind of – I mean, I'm not really a big – I don't really watch many jazz games, I guess, but I feel like it's a little weird for your starting center only to take one shot. And that kind of – like get the ball. Yeah, that kind of highlights that point we brought up a few weeks ago about how uh, Donovan Mitchell only averages like two passes a game to Rudy Gobert a game, not assists, passes. So that kind of supports it. I mean, Bogdanovich played well. I feel like he's always a guy who's going to hit a yeah. bunch of random threes. Um, but on, on Dallas' side, I mean, you're missing Luka and you only lose by six. I'm okay with that. I mean – Jalen Brunson did his thing. He had 24 points. Dinwiddie did his. He had 22. Uh, but the rest of these guys, it's like – I hate to say this, but they're just kind of like a bunch of nobodies. You know? No, no, that's exactly what they are. I mean, Dorian – relying on Dorian Finney-Smith to play 44 yeah. minutes, and, and same with Reggie Bullock, it's not a good sign when you're in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. This is one of those classic cases where I think both teams need to make a lot of moves – come this offseason, but it just so happened that they are both playing each other in the first round, so one of them has to make it to the second round. I think, honestly, though, the Jazz are going to win this series, and it's just because Luka isn't going to be playing games one and two, and when Luka comes back, I think the Mavericks are the better all-around team, and I think they have better chemistry, which will bring them a long way, but I think that the Jazz are way more screwed than the Mavericks are come this offseason. I think they need a serious blow-up, and I don't think they should get rid of Donovan Mitchell, but I think Rudy Gobert needs to find the new home. He's not liked in Utah by the fans, by the players, and I'm guessing soon by the front office. And, and you're right, the Donovan Mitchell stat where he only passes it to him twice a game, when those are your two quote-unquote star players, and Donovan Mitchell is a star. And in my opinion, he's a superstar and will be very soon. He's a very, very talented player. One of my favorite players to actually watch in the NBA, Rudy Gobert, he's outdated. And I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but I'm going to call this out early. Rudy Gobert, who won a D-point two years ago now, Rudy Gobert is the next Hassan Whiteside. He's going to be outdated. He was fun while it lasted. He got a lot of rebounds. He got a couple of D-points. Um, he just doesn't fit in the way that the NBA plays. And I love centers like this. It just doesn't work. He needs to find a, a new home in, like, Sacramento or something. And, and they need to move on and, and get a little uh, more – get a little more younger. That's not English, once again. Uh, and they need to be able to stretch out the floor with their five because that's just the way that uh, the NBA is played. And they, they need someone that's a lot more athletic at that five to pair up with Donovan Mitchell. No, I 100% agree. And I think if it comes down to it, I think it's a no-brainer where the front office of the Jazz should get rid of Rudy yes. Gobert over Donovan Mitchell 10 times out of 10. You want to keep Donovan Mitchell in your system. You want to, That's the guy you build around. So yep. I think if I'm Rudy Gobert right now, and, and I mean, we're topic, talking hypotheticals here, but if I, if I know I'm out of town, I'd be willing to accept the bench role. Like, all right, I know I'm going to be like a bench role. I, I know I'm going to be sitting or I'm going to be in the game if we need to stop at the end. Like, He'd probably play starter minutes elsewhere, but depending on the situation, you know, if 
the Jazz run up against an athletic team that has a stretch five, Rudy Gobert is basically useless. We see it all the time. Like when teams we're run like in the series. Yeah. When teams run a five out set, Rudy Gobert cannot cover as much ground as other centers can. Like that was a big problem in what we saw last year as the Celtics, like with Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson's a starting center, but he can't he can't rotate. You know, mm-hmm. you need to, in today's NBA, you need athletic centers like who can cover basically one through five or hold their own. But Rudy Gobert isn't a guy who can do that. He can barely cover three through five. Never mind one through five. If you have a quick point guard on him, he's gonna they're just gonna go right around him. So if Luca comes back, I think the Jazz are in trouble. But it's just whether or not he comes back sooner rather than later. Because yeah, I, without I, without Luca, they're they're not really Exactly. And it makes sense because it's Luka Doncic. He's he's one of the best players in the NBA. Um, And and I think that Jason Kidd, I I don't think he's the greatest uh, head coach. And I don't think he was that good when he was in Milwaukee. I think when he realizes that he can actually utilize Dwight Powell and he can utilize uh, Davis Bertans and Maxi Kleber off the bench against Rudy Gobert, uh, it's going to be way more of an interesting series. Yeah, definitely. Um, And and it's going to show that Rudy Gobert really isn't um, the guy that people think he is, and he only got his deep poise because he's French in the NBA, wants the French viewers to go up. I've been saying it. I'm going to continue say it, to say it before I get too upset with Rudy Gobert. We're going to move on to our next game. Um, a fantastic game. Another two versus seven. Um, in this case, the seven seed pulls off the dub. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, crazy game, and not even just because what happened in the game, uh, that woman just chained herself to a basket. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, Minnesota wins, though. Anthony Edwards, did I say this on the last episode? Next year, he's an all-star. He's going to yeah. be a superstar. And you know what? The 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 Minnesota Timberwolves, next year, they're going to be at least a four seed. They're going to put the league on notice. And, and they did in this game one. Now, here's the question, Stav. And this might sound like a dumb question, but a lot of people are bringing it up. I want to hear what you have to think about it. Are are the Grizzlies better without Jaw? Yeah. They went on that. They went on that big run without him. They were down by like 15, 20 points in this game, and then Jaw subbed out to get a breather, and then they stormed right back into it. I don't know because I feel like at stretches they are, and. They're what fifteen and two without him this year, but Jaw is just an insane talent. Where it's like, how can you say they're better without him? But when he's not in, everyone else steps up. You know, you got guys like um, Dylan Brooks, Triple J, like Stephen Adams. He did absolutely nothing, but like Desmond Bain, like they have a very solid team. Where if I'm a Grizzlies fan. I'm okay with Ja taking a breather. Like you don't, you don't need Ja to play 45 minutes a game. Like some other teams, like the Nets need Kyrie to play 45 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. But like Ja only played 35 minutes, and he he had a pretty good stat line. He went eight of 18, 16 to 20 from the free throw line. He had eight assists, but he had a minus 16 plus minus compared to their bench, who, um, Zaire Williams, he had a plus six. Brandon Clark had a plus two. Kyle Anderson had a plus one. 
And these guys all played double-digit minutes. Brandon Clarkson, Kyle, Brandon Clarkson, uh, Kyle Anderson played over 20 minutes. So, but the entire starting five had a plus minus, like minus double digits. So it's a development I'm interested to see, or it's a, a storyline I'm interested to see how it develops. Because hypothetically, the Timberwolves win this series, which they are fully capable of, in my opinion. They're not a true seven seed. They have a mm-hmm. very good starting five. I picked that the Grizzlies will win this game. I or predicted, yeah, this game, the series. I said that they'd win pretty easily, but after seeing game one, I mean, I don't know what to say anymore because it felt like the Grizzlies kind of gave their, their what they are. You know what I mean? They didn't play terrible. It just, the Timberwolves outplayed them. Cat went off. Yeah. Anthony Edwards had a career game. He's awesome to watch. I mean, he is. starting uh, off the bench, Malik Beasley was awesome. He's a, he should be a starter. In most other system, I mean, Jaden McDaniels had 15 off the bench. It's just, I, I don't know what to say. These teams don't match up very well. Or, I'm sorry, the Grizzlies, Grizzlies don't match up very well with the Timberwolves. This is a, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm like, I'd face anybody else but the uh, the Timberwolves round one. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have my eyes on this series because anything can happen. Yeah, this is this year both two versus seven seed matchups. It's like both of these matchups, the seven seed shouldn't be a seven seed, right? They're they're playing um their regular season was down to what they actually can possibly be. And um I think like say if uh, a couple of games went in uh the Timberwolves favor over the regular season and they played a team like the Mavs or the Jazz, they would beat them in a in a seven game series. They're going up against a two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this is the perfect upset slate where the Timberwolves are riding on the highest of highs right now. They started off the season great, and, and they fell off a little bit. They're 10 games over 500, um, 10 games behind Memphis, who who just played fantastic throughout the regular season. This is one of these series where Minnesota just – I mean, is riding on their momentum. Patrick Beverly is pushing them to their limits, which is which is so fun to see. Um, what what's funny is that D'Angelo Russell, honestly, uh, I think should be off the bench, and I think Malik Beasley should be the starting shooting guard for this team. And, and I think they'd win games a lot easier. I think they'd win this series in five or six games if Malik Beasley is a starting player. I think he's really special, and he fits into this team very well. Um, if I'm John Morant, I cannot let Pat Bev get in my head. Like, that is one thing as like, excuse me, Grizzlies players, the coaches, they got to be like, they got to do everything in their power to get jaw off of Pat Bev. Like on defense, have him guard somebody else on offense, get a lot of switches. So he's not guarding him. Don't let Patrick Beverly dictate what jaw does, because if Pat Bev even gets a little bit in his head, he's won. He's done his job. Like, you have to prevent Pat Bev from doing what he does best, and that's just be a nuisance, And which is just right. awesome because if I'm Pat Bev, I'm like, this is why I get paid. I get paid to shut down opposing play, uh, team stars, star point guards, and, like, a big payday should come to Pat Bev if the Timberwolves win the series. Right. And, and I feel like a lot of people are forgetting that Patrick Beverly um, 
first off, is a menace. We're not forgetting that. But second off, he's literally an all-defensive, maybe first team, if not second team player. So if, if you can force him onto D'Lo or, or get a bunch of screens going, just do whatever you can to get jaw off him. I think the Grizzlies are going to try to figure it out, and I think they will figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but but we're in for a good long series. The two versus the seven seeds this year are amazing. But moving on uh, back into the East, we got the Raptors against the 76ers. 76ers looked like they really just did their thing uh, in game one in Philly. Uh, 131 to 111. This was really just the Tyrese Maxey show. He put up 38 points. Um, he only had two assists, but it doesn't matter when you score that much. Every single player that played for the 76ers had a positive plus minus, except for uh, Fork and Corkmaz, who <laughs> literally did nothing. He just had one assist in three minutes. Um, does this scare you? The fact that we were scared, honestly, to play Toronto and Philly just really, I mean, beat them down. I don't think Toronto's that good of a team. Like, in and out, they're very – everyone on this team played. Like, I mean, they, they want to run, like, a seven-man rotation, but they don't really have the roster to do that. They're relying guys on Gary – like, Gary Trent Jr., who's, who's a pretty good player, but he's a role player. He can't – he's taking 11 shots, and he's going two of 11. I mean, Siakam at 24 on 9 of 18. That's what you want out of him. Van Vliet went 7 of 12, what you want out of him. but. You let up 131 points to the 76ers, and both Embiid and Harden did not play well. So I think this is going to be a sweep, to be honest. I don't even – like Matisse Thybul is the one guy who everyone's like, oh, he's not going to play for the 76ers when they go to Toronto. He had three points. I mean, yeah, like I don't think it really minutes. matters not, as much. It's not really going to be that big of a loss for him – or for them, rather. And if I'm the Raptors, I'm like, we're screwed. Because Harden played awful, in my opinion. Hard, hard, I don't know what's wrong with James Harden. He's going. He can't shoot positive to save his life. I mean, he gets his assists and he gets his free throws. Same thing with Embiid. Embiid went five of fifteen, but he shot nine of eleven from the line. Like, what do you have to? If you're the Raptors, what can you even do? Because if their third option is scoring thirty-eight, you can't shift defensive pressure to. Mate or to Tyrese Maxey because then James Harden's gonna step up and you can't like focus all your the defensive pressure on the guards because then Embiid's gonna do his. He's gonna he's probably gonna win MVP. And, so yeah, this isn't gonna be much of a series in my opinion. What do you think? I agree. And a big reason that I believe it won't be part of a se- uh that much of a series is and this might come back to bite me in the butt, but I don't think Toronto has a guy that can go out there and score 30 and really carry them to a win. I don't think uh, Pascal Siakam is like an elite scorer. He does a good job on offense, obviously at 24 points, but I don't think he's that guy that like last few seconds, who's going to take your shot? It's going to be Fred Van Vliet. I, I, I mean, I've never really believed in him. I don't think OG and Anubi really has it in him. I think he's more of one of those guys that sits at 20 points and it's like nice, kind of like a Bogdanovich, um, but a little bit better on defense. I think this is a sweep, if not a gentleman's sweep. I, yeah. I don't even have much to say about this game or series. Yeah, it, I think that's a good uh, point to move on from this because that, that game was kind of bad in general. But let's talk about the Warriors and the Nuggets. And a point I really want to start off with this is shout out Jordan Poole for 
dominating this game. He had, what do you have, 30? Uh, yeah, he had 30 points on 9 of 13 shooting, shot 5 of 7 from 3. He looked unstoppable out there. And they had Steph Curry off the bench, which I don't ever remember that happening. But I think this like, is like the first game ever. Yeah. So it's just awesome to see Jordan Poole. He was that he was playing that point guard role. Um, he played great. You know, he was exciting to watch. And the Nuggets, I, I feel bad for Jokic because he has no help out there. I mean, you have a 45-year-old Jeff Green as your starting power forward for the Nuggets. And um, Jordan Poole came from the G League. He's electric. He's a great player. I I think that a big part of this Warriors team is their chemistry. The fact that Steph Curry... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Kind of like you could say took a seat, came off the bench. He still got starter minutes, 22 minutes. Um, and they really got it done. They played to their matchups uh, when it comes to the starting five versus starting five. Having Steph Curry off your bench, I think, is just an absolute power move. And, and Clay started. He had 19 points. And, and I don't think Clay's going to be back to, like, his all-star level until next year. I don't think we'll we'll see glimpses of it in this playoff run. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to consistently be at the 30 mark. Um but having Clay drop 20 is big. Jordan Poole, I mean, who knows who he could be, right? Like, he's been playing out of his mind lately. Is he someone that's like a TJ Warren from the bubble? Or is he someone that's going to start putting it together year in and year out? And he's going to be one of those guys, and the Warriors are going to be back to their dominance if um, Wiseman can ever come back and, and, and play a full season. It, it, it's very scary uh, for the Western Conference, and, and I think that the Warriors are going to breeze by in, in this first round. I don't think the Nuggets are good at all, and I think if Jamal Murray was healthy, um, this would be a whole different series, but he hasn't been healthy in a while. Um, Nikola Jokic still, I mean, he, which he'll always do. He got his, he got 25, 10, uh, 10 and 3 steals, 6 assists. He, he really did all he could. But it's the fact that you're relying on Austin Rivers playing 26 minutes. He only had five points. Will Barton was your second leading scorer. When Will Barton's your second leading scorer, I I really don't think you're going to win a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, a a key point I also kind of wanted to talk about, like, there was like this five-minute stretch. I don't really know if you watched that game Saturday night. But Jokic got the ball. He brought it up. He went back to the basket. He got, like, triple teamed. 
And he threw like a perfect pass to Austin Rivers sitting wide open in the corner. And Austin Rivers just clanked it. Like, and then they go down on defense. Jokic gets the rebound, does the same thing, clicks it, kicks it out to Bones Highland, who airballs a three. It's like, if I'm Nikola Jokic, it's like I'm playing all three phases perfectly. Like, give me some help. You guys got to start hitting these shots. And I mean, you said it perfectly. Will Barton played 36 minutes and was your second leading scorer. I mean, he did have a pretty good game. He shot 10 of 18, but you shouldn't have Will Barton shooting 18 shots. I don't remember ever seeing Will Barton ever shooting 18 shots. So, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins got ejected for, I think, is a very stupid reason. He said something to a ref, and it led to a double technical. I mean, I think it's clear that DeMarcus Cousins – uh He's on very thin ice with all the officials in the league. He cannot get away with anything. And they're looking for him to react. And he does react. He's emotional. He, very emotional. The playoffs, like, you're down. It's That's the only guy who could come in for Nikola Jokic. And when he gets ejected, Jokic is probably sitting there like, dude, what the hell? Like, I have to play another 10 extra minutes when I'm doing everything. So if game two, if I'm DeMarcus Cousins, I'm keeping my mouth shut. Because when I know when I come in, it's because Nikola Jokic is dead tired. And he was exhausted all game. And he was doing everything he could. But then the Nuggets shot poorly. They No one else could get it going besides uh, Jokic. And if Aaron Gordon, he needs to step up. Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. is supposed to be that number two guy right now. Shot three of ten, didn't make a three. Only had eight points, minus 11. You know, he didn't have double digits anything. So... He's got to step up in game two, especially if they kind of want to bring some momentum back going into Denver. He's got to step up. Right. And, and I think Aaron Gordon's one of those guys where it's like he has the potential to be the number two guy, especially with Jamal Berry being hurt. He's really fit to be a number three guy on a decent playoff team. Um, but he, he has to step up and fill into this role um, as someone that should be the second leading scorer. He can get it done. Um, at, at all levels of scoring, he can shoot, he can get in the paint, he can dunk, and, and he should be able to play good defense, but you know what? He didn't in game one, and the Warriors are so weird. Steve Kerr is a great coach, and, and when you have people like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry, you, you know what you're going to get from them, but when you have someone like Jordan Poole, who led the, the whole team in scoring, you're you're screwed, honestly. And the Warriors are putting the league on notice right now. And, and I think they're in for a little run because they're not on the same side as, as the Phoenix Suns. And, and and I think that the whole league, especially the whole Western Conference, should be very nervous. And if I'm the Suns, this is the main team that I do not want to see on my way to the finals. I think that the Warriors are the second best team in the Western Conference. Um, and, and I think it's just due to the fact that Jordan Poole is just on this absolute tear. He, he's one of the best players in this playoff run. And, and it's crazy to say that because I think this time last year, I mean, I knew who Jordan Poole was, but I wasn't expecting to say that. Right. And, and when you add someone like that, who's going to be dropping 30 points in, in a game one and will probably stay over 20 for every other game in this series. You, you might as well just chalk this up as a sweep because Nikola Jokic has no help. And I did want to say um, I'm very happy Boogie Cousins found a home in the NBA again. And, and I think he had a very good year with the Nuggets. And I think he's fit, in, uh, fit very well into his role that he has there. 
he just really needs to uh, take it a step down and, and come off the bench and provide quality minutes, and, and he'll help them out a lot. Um, but moving on to our next game, we have the Hawks versus the Heat. Um, and we've seen some blowouts, but this is by far the worst one. The Heat, I think they just took the disrespect that everyone was handing to them, saying that they were the worst one seed, which I don't agree with. I think it was the Hawks that year that they just absolutely got <laughs> killed. Um, they they just came out and completely rocked the Hawks, 115 to 91. It, it was overall just a bloodbath. The thing that I love about this team is how like even they are when it comes to to not only scoring, but just overall, I mean, play. Duncan Robinson went eight for nine from behind the three-point line. He went nine for 10 in the game with 27 points. Uh, when, when you have someone shooting at that rate, it, it's kind of hard to lose a game. Trey Young finished with eight points. Jimmy Butler was in his head. Jimmy oh, yeah. Butler, honestly, at all times of the year is in my head. So I, I think that it's crazy because we see a couple of these series as good, strong series. This this is not a good, strong series because the Hawks are a sneaky team, but they're not a sneaky team when it comes to uh, to facing a hard-nosed team like the Miami Heat. P.J. Tucker also on this team. I mean, when you just look at him, you have Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, uh, Dwayne Dedman. Like, these are guys that, like, would probably fight you on a court in front of 20,000 people just because of how bad they want to win a basketball game. They're just going to beat you with heart, and it showed they just blew them out. And it's one of those teams where when they're blowing you out, they're just going to start throwing oops, and Duncan Robinson's going to come in and just start shooting threes and making them. And if they catch any momentum, they don't lose it. That's why they're the one seed. That's why they went 53-29. and 29. And you think Trey Young's going to take over, but when – your leading scorer for the game is Danilo Gallinari, and he's about 50 years old. The pride of Italy when it comes to the NBA, you're 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 screwed. And I think the Miami Heat are trying to put the league on notice, but I think they're playing against a pretty weak opponent. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh no, I 100% agree. I think this game, the series, the Heat are going to win four to one. I think there's going to be one game that Trey Young just randomly spazzes, has like his 45 points or whatever, but. If you're facing the Heat, one guy you cannot like get hot is Duncan Robinson because Duncan Robinson is one of the most is one of the streakiest players in the NBA where he can go one of ten, but he can also do what he did today or um, Sunday, go eight of nine from three. If Duncan Robinson scoring twenty seven points, you are not going to win. And on top of that, Trey Young only made one shot from the field. That's pathetic. Like I don't care who's covering you. If you're Trey Young and you're demanding the respect that you that you want and you're going through bowing to all the, the fits, you got to back it up. You cannot go 0 of 7 from 3. You cannot only make one shot from the field. Your team lost by 30, dude. Like, game two, right. you got to step it up. You got to lead these guys because if Trey Young does this again, this series is all but over. Yeah, and I, I like how you put it. I think it might go five. I think Trey Young pulls one out. Um, maybe game three or game four, one of the games at home. I think that people like Jimmy Butler uh, and Kyle Lowry, they see the disrespect that Trey Young is putting on these different cities like Cleveland this year. We saw it with New York last year. And, and they're like, we're not going to let him do this 
on our home court. We're going to fight. Like, they, the, the way that I see it, and this is how the Celtics-Nets game was, game one. It was just a fight. Like, this, this was a basketball fight. Like, they were throwing hands. And you know what? They just beat up Trey Young. And I don't think it's that difficult to beat up Trey Young when you're someone like a Jimmy Butler. It, you just beat him out with strength. The the Miami Heat are such a fun team to watch because they just wear you down. And honestly, I think every single player that played in this Atlanta Hawks game, and there was a lot of them, they went deep into their bench. Um, I think they're all tired, and I think they're going to remain tired. And, and And that's why the Heat are so good. They're not a great scoring team, and they put up 115. That, that's pretty good numbers, and Duncan Robinson did very good scoring, and you know what you're going to get from here. Even, even though he didn't put up uh, a lot of numbers here, only at six points, you know what you're going to get from him if you need him. Um, the rest of these guys are dogs, and, and they're just going to wear you down, and, and the Heat are really built for the long run. The Heat are an exciting team. It's the one versus the eight. You should expect a sweep or, or five-game series. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no hope for the Hawks. Like, it just they're the they were the were, were they the nine or the ten? They were the nine. I think they were the nine. Yeah, because they had the home. Yeah, so they're the nine seed technically. Wait, I have it up. Yeah, they were the nine. So I mean, yeah, they beat two teams. I mean, I I think I would have much rather seen if that like from a basketball fan perspective, I'd rather see Cleveland in the Heat. Compared to the Hawks and the Heat, I think Cleveland matches up very well with the Heat. But Agreed. we'll never know what happens there. But, yeah, this this series is all but over. I really don't think we should spend much more time talking about these guys because this game was, was a pathetic yeah, outing by over. the Hawks. It's over. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about the Celtics already in the Nets, so we'll skip over to the Bulls and the Bucks, which ended up being a pretty good game. This game started off, it seemed like the Bucks were just going to blow them out of the water, but the Bulls kind of came back into it, and it, they made an interesting game in the fourth quarter. It's a very low-scoring game, especially for teams like the Bucks, who are typically a higher-scoring team. So, what do you what are your initial thoughts about that game one, especially with um, how the Bulls kind of battled back? So, so this was a game I watched, um, and, and I watched um, pretty much all of Sunday's action. I, we missed a couple of games on Saturday because we were at the Red Sox. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm actually uh I'm not gonna say a fan of the Bucks, but I do like watching the Bucks basketball. I love Pat Connaughton, actually one of my favorite players in the league, mass made. Um, he put up a very solid stat line, three points, uh, one for seven shooting, just putting up numbers that Pat Connaughton should put up. He has a lot of energy though off the bench, so you better keep him there. Um this this is funny because First off, dealing with a lot of allergies, this podcast is my flu game. Every single time I'm not talking, I'm on mute, coughing my lungs out. Um, th- this game was when my allergies were at the worst. So after the first quarter, I'm like, oh, the Bucks are up like 34 to 20 right now. I'm going to go take a shower. Um, I take a shower, take my medicine. I-, I-, I chill out for a little bit because I'm not feeling too well. I come back in the fourth quarter and it's a one point game. And I'm like, what did I miss? Um, Nikola Vucevic in the fourth quarter just erupted. He finished the game with 24 points. If I'm Milwaukee, I'm very happy I sneaked away with this win because Chicago, who was a one seed, we knew they weren't a legitimate one seed uh, that earlier in the season. Um, They're a sneaky team to, to maybe steal home court advantage. If I'm Milwaukee and I win game two, I'm feeling 100% safe and confident. 
But you just this is the direct example of a series that you don't want to let Chicago steal home court or at least get a win in Milwaukee. It's very hard to win in Milwaukee. And this was the game uh, directly after the Celtics Nets. And this environment, and, and I might get roasted for this because if, 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 you can hear me knocking on wood, if the Celtics win this series, they're most likely going to be playing the Bucks in the next round. Milwaukee, the Pfizer form was not even close to being as loud as the TD Garden. Um, and, and I have always given my props to that arena, to that fan base for how loud they are. They didn't show it in game one. I think they come back, show it in game two. I think Milwaukee beat Chicago by 20. And, and I think this series ends in a sweep. Giannis, Giannis absolutely put on a show, 27 points. Um, I love the fact that Giannis shoots around four to five threes a game just because he can. Because, like, at one point, it's just like, I'm Giannis. I'm the best player on this team. I can do whatever the hell I want. And you know what? Sometimes he hits them. And when he hits them, that's the start of their runs. It's crazy because it's like, wow, Giannis just hit a three. I can do it too. And Wesley Matthews, (laughs) this is going to sound weird. Wesley Matthews put up six points on two for three shooting. and, And you guys know how weird I am. That's exactly what you want from Wesley Matthews. <laughs> and, and, and he played great defense. He had five rebounds as well. Um, he is the perfect example of let's score under 10 points, but your two big shots or your two shots are big shots. He had two big threes in times where the Bulls started uh, going on a run. Um, once again, I want to give my props to the whole bench. Um, Bobby Portis, Javon Carter, and Pat Connaughton. I, I want to give absolutely zero props to Grayson Allen. Um, every single time, or in every single setting for Pat Connaughton, you know, I'm a Pat Connaughton super fan, so so let me just say that there is some bias here. Every single time, Pat Connaughton's role is known. He's an athletic two-guard who is a white basketball player. White man cannot jump. Every single time Pat Connaughton finds his role, the team that he is on finds somebody else to compete with him. Um, in, in um, in Portland, he had Jake Lehman, and, and when he came to Milwaukee, he had Dante DiVincenzo. Now he has Grayson Allen. I I just feel like we need to give my man Pat Connaughton a break. He is a very good basketball player. He had twenty points in the NBA Finals, one of the games last year. Um, if and this is going to sound so weird. I feel like I have a lot of bad takes. And it's not even bad takes. It kind of makes sense. If you let Pat Conson play 25 minutes in this game, he can honestly play decent enough defense to take some stress off of the, the rest of these starters. And he can allow Drew Holiday to get a little bit more done and Chris Middleton to get a lot more done on the offensive side um, for this Bucks team. And it's going to be smooth sailing once they – Put a lot more trust, not only in Pat Connaughton, but in their bench in general, because they have a great bench. And I want to see Serge Ibaka uh, play some quality minutes later in this series. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head for a lot of your points here. And I kind of wanted to talk about how the stars of the Bulls did not show up. I mean, DeMar DeRozan shot 6 of 25 and Levine shot 6 of 19. I mean, even Vucevic, I mean, granted, he had a great fourth quarter, shot 9 of 27. Those are three guys you rely on heavily to produce. And if they're not producing, good luck winning a game, especially against the Bucs. So, I mean, I think that's all we really have for that uh, 
that game. If we kind of want to move on to the the night game, I mean, this is going to be kind of – I feel like this is going to be short and sweet. The Suns beat the Pelicans 110-99. to 99. It's it's the one versus eight. There's I really don't see much formulating out of this. You know, I think um, the the Suns are the best team in the NBA for a reason. They went 64 and 18. Um, shout out Jay Crowder for having the first ever one 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 stat line. He had one point, one block, one assist, one rebound, and um, yeah, the first triple one I think it's ever been recorded in NBA history. He started. So it's not like he, he came off the bench. But, I mean, Chris Paul did his 30 points, 10 oh assists. God. Chris Paul is magic. Yeah. D-Book did his thing, 25 points, 8 and had 21. Mike um, McCall Bridges had 11, just clamps. I mean, off the bench, Cam Johnson was great, too. He went 5 of 6 shooting. It's just I, I don't see the Pelicans really doing anything. It's going to be a gentleman's sweep or the Suns' sweep. Right, yeah, and and it makes sense because it's the Phoenix Suns. They're the champion favorite uh, as of right now, which is rightfully so. I think they are the best team in the NBA right now. Like you said, they're 64-18. and 18. Um, And if I'm the New Orleans Ooh, Pelicans— break, Hold on, breaking news, Marcus yeah. Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That's that's big news. That yeah, I just got it from NBA Communications, the NBA Public Relations Twitter. I don't, I actually didn't even know that was an account. I don't know how I oh because Woj retweeted it. Um, that's big news. We're gonna have to post something on Instagram for that tonight. So look forward to that. Um, but back back to this game real quick because this was actually. My second favorite game to watch this weekend. I watched this game from start to finish. Um, I just love watching the Phoenix Suns play basketball. They're electric. Cam Johnson is my favorite bench player in the league. He had a very solid outing, 13 points off five or six shooting. Um, but if I'm the Pelicans, I'm happy. I'm, I'm actually happy. We only lost by 11. It was At one point, especially in the first quarter, you thought this game was going to be out of hand. Uh, I texted my roommate because I was home, obviously, for uh, Easter. I was like, after the first quarter, I texted him. I said, the Suns might win this game by 40. <laughs> so if I'm the Pelicans, I'm happy. Because first off, we only lost to 11 game one um, at the Footprint Center or whatever it's called in Phoenix. And, and we're ahead of schedule. If we're the New Orleans Pelicans, you don't have your quote-unquote best player. Um, CJ McCollum totally forgot he was on the team. To be honest, he put up 25. I love watching CJ McCollum in, in the playoffs. Um, and I think they might be able to sneak out a game. I also love watching Jose Alvarado. He put up three points. I don't think he had any steals in this game. Look for him to get a couple of steals in this series. He's just a guy, and this whole team has a lot of energy. Brandon Ingram didn't have a great game. Um, 18 points. Jones Valanciunas has also 18 points. Had his best Aaron Baines 2018 impression with the man bun. Um, but yeah, like it's the Phoenix Suns. This is what you're supposed to expect. 
And, and New Orleans made a little run. They made it a little interesting late in the game. Phoenix got it done. Chris Paul was, I mean, basically unstoppable at the end of this game. This is the exact result I thought uh, that was going to happen based off of the two teams that were playing. I think the Suns are in for a nice little sweep, and I think that we're going to be seeing them in the championship this year. Yeah, that's. I mean, <clears throat> like we said before, it's not the Suns, it's the Warriors. Suns are just so hot right now, uh, pun, all puns intended. But, yeah, it's just one versus eight. There's not really much more we can say about that matchup. And I think that's a good transition to talk some mm-hmm. Red Sox baseball. They split the series this weekend against the Twins after a, a brutal loss today at the time of this uh, recording. But um, they scored a lot on Sunday, scored eight runs, I believe. A lot of it came in the back half of the game. And they shut out the Twins game two of the series, four nothing, off of two solo shots. So a key, a, one thing I wanted to talk about first was how happy I am with the production of Alex Verdugo and how he fits perfectly in that fifth spot in the lineup. And Rafi Devers is on a 15-game hitting streak, which is a very underappreciated, uh, and that might be a good word to use. No one's really talking about that right now. I mean, 15 games, he's only, what, 51 or uh, 41 away from Joe DiMaggio's record. So... <laughs> Doable, um, if you think you, about it, what do we Joe think about this? was at 15 at one point. Yeah, exactly. What do we think about this? Uh, Red Sox start. This is kind of like the, the ball's rolling on the season now. Like we can start to react a little bit about this team. Yeah. What do you What do you think right now? What are your initial thoughts? Uh, just to finish up my Joe DiMaggio thought, like I said, 15 games in in the season, I bet every single Yankees fan remember uh, remembers when they were 15 when he was 15 games in because. I guess Yankees fans have been alive for the past 150 years when they won their 27 World Series championships. Uh, no, you weren't. Joe, you don't even know who Joe DiMaggio is. Um, but but the Boston Red Sox splitting this series to the Twins, um, I really wanted to see us win that last game to, to kind of go on a little three-game streak. But I think it's just the fact that we pitched uh, Rich Hill. Uh, it, it makes sense. The the man, the man, I can't say the kid, he's like 45 years old. He, he throws an 88 mile per hour. I actually saw him dunk as low as 85 on his four seam fastball. Stop. We were at the game on Saturday. I threw what? 67. I'm close. Yeah. I'm less than 20 miles per hour off. And I have not thrown a baseball in years, I am a washed-up baseball player. I literally I played lacrosse in high school. Um, I haven't played organized baseball since freshman sophomore year of high school when I played Babe Ruth. Um, this this is something that I've been worried about. I don't like when our pitchers and he is a lefty and lefties can pitch forever. Um, I just really wanted us first off to win, if not win, not lose by five runs going into a tough. Uh, slate of three series that we go against Toronto at Tampa Bay, then at Toronto. Um, I'm one to overreact, so I'm going to continue to overreact. I'm nervous. We have a tough stretch of games. Once we're done with that last trip to Toronto, uh, we kind of ease off. We have Baltimore, then the Angels, then the White Sox, who are are low-key underrated. Um, But just like I always am with the Red Sox, I'm nervous. It's because of our pitching, and I want to see a couple of guys step up. I want to see Enrique Hernandez, Kike, 
I really want to see him get hot because once he gets hot, he doesn't slow down. And I want to see us put a lot more trust in Trevor Story. I, and I feel like if we put a lot more trust in Trevor Story, he will be uh, very successful because of it. And he didn't play today, the day of the recording on Monday. But some news, I don't know if you heard this about yesterday's game, stuff. He wasn't originally slated to play. He pled his case. He pretty much begged Cora to play yesterday. He got his way. That is what you want to hear. It, it, it's the OG Taylor Hall approach. Uh, we saw it from Derek White yesterday wearing the Red Sox jersey. Um, I, I hope Trevor Story is beginning to love Boston. And very underrated marathon weekend, by the way, guys. Um, this was like the perfect time to have our home opener for Trevor Story because I think Fenway was sold out for all four of these games because there were so many tours here. And, and Fenway gets packed on, on a day-to-day basis, but it wasn't as packed as, I mean, it usually is come this early in a season. So I think that Trevor Story is realizing that we are like a legit franchise that like wants to get loud. And, he, and I think he's going to be a guy that feeds off of energy just because he's never had it. I think, I mean, like I said, this is all 162 games that we are playing in a season. Once Trevor Story fills into his role, um, if we can find him his role, I think we're going to be a lot more set. Um, when Chris Sale comes back, once again, we're going to be a lot more set. One thing I'm scared about, Stav, and I, I wanted to get your take on this, Tanner Houck, we saw him on Saturday. He's 1-0 now. He's slated to pitch. Um, at Toronto, not this Tuesday, but the next Tuesday, he's unvaccinated, cannot go to Canada. Um, are we nervous come down the stretch? Because Toronto is honestly, in my opinion, our toughest play in the AL East. So are we nervous come through the whole season? Or do we think that th- we're going to be able to dodge this? I am nervous, to be honest. I'm usually not one who... I'm usually optimistic when it comes to stuff like this, where it's like, oh, those other guys will step up. Tanner Houck is our number two starter right now. Like, or what is it? Evaldi. Yeah, but I'm still taking Houck over right now. I like Houck. Yeah. Houck is a young talent, like a guy who we saw in the postseason. We trusted him in the postseason coming out of the bullpen. One of our better starters last year. I trust him, you know, and – when it comes to down to the games in September and, and late, like early September, late August, when, when each win matters and you go up to Toronto in a tough road series and you don't have your hypothetical third best starter when sale comes back, it does make me nervous. You know, I don't trust Pavetta to go up and face the Toronto Blue Jays. Like he's, he can't face the Minnesota Twins. Never mind the Blue Jays. Like, it just if they don't make any moves, then it does it does worry me. But I do believe that they're going to try and bring one more starter aboard. I, maybe even call up some guys from Worcester because I, Rich Hill isn't getting it done. It's unfortunate. He's I, I think it's time to kind of stop that experiment. You know, it's yeah. very early in the season, but we know what we're going to get out of him. A guy who throws eighty-seven miles an hour as fast as pitch. <laughs> like, give a younger guy a shot. You know, but, agreed. And let I mean, Waka's been playing. Waka's not bad. Like he's not. I, bad. I like Waka. I think he's he's had a good start to the year. So let the, I mean, 
Walk has had two solid outings. Rich Hill has sucked in both of his outings. I mean, give another guy a chance. Bring, call up a guy from Worcester. Maybe, I don't know, I, I, I won't say that. I was about to say maybe give, because Whitlock was traded for as a starter. But he's, yeah. he's playing We need perfectly. Whitlock yeah, out of the pen. We need him out of the pen. But it's, I am nervous, to be honest. I think what the team sits at 500 right now, and we, yes. we, we should have won a lot more of these games. I think the mm-hmm. offense has fallen. The score kind of contradicts what I'm about to say, but the offense has become stagnant at the worst possible times. We've had runners in scoring position in a ton of games and we'll only end up scoring two runs. So I think that's going to switch. And I don't like how Trevor Stories is becoming not an everyday guy. Like today he didn't play. And it kind of irks me because we're paying him a lot of money, but I, I do understand it is a long season. Like, probably dealing with some injuries and a lot of fatigue because he didn't play a full spring, but whatever. I mean, I, th- I think this team is trending in an okay direction. And once everyone kind of returns to be fully healthy, I think we'll be okay, especially with how the Yankees suck. Yeah. Um, as for story, uh, I, have a, I have a few concerns about our pitching, but as for story, I just think the fact that he didn't play today, um, it, it, I mean, it's the same as Xander not playing the other day. I just think sometimes they need a day off. It's a long season. And, and once we get, especially past All-Star break, I know this is a far time in the future, but Story's going to be our everyday second baseman. I mean, he's an All-Star, right? So I, I, I really see him doing this. Rafael Devers has been playing out of his mind. Um, Verdugo leads our team with home runs. He's been playing awesome. Um Excuse me, but for starters, with our with our pitching, what I'm nervous about is when Chris Sale comes back, um, who's gonna go to our bullpen that's currently a starter? Is it gonna be Rich Hill? Is it gonna be Michael Walker? The the thing is, if it is Rich Hill, I still don't like him out of the bullpen either. I don't like him starting, I don't like him out of the bullpen. I just straight up don't think he can pitch anymore. He's he's old. I think he was in our starting rotation in like 2011. I, I think he's good friends with Josh Beckett. Um, he's old. He he shouldn't be on our team. He's not someone that could be in a rotation of a playoff championship contending team. And that scares me. I also, honestly, there's a handful of guys in the bullpen, say if Rich Hill were to go down to the bullpen, there's a handful of guys that I'd rather bring, bring into the game compared to uh, a left-handed 42-year-old pitcher that throws an 87-mile-per-hour four-seam. But what I've heard is there could be a potential of putting Hauk in the bullpen to kind of eat up those Whitlock innings once Sale comes back. That might work out. But with Hauk, the thing that I'm very nervous about is we're staying in Fenway for a three-game slate against Toronto. Hauk is scheduled to play on Thursday. He, I mean, he obviously will make that start on Thursday. <laughs> Excuse me, the allergies are going crazy right now. Um, I'm scared that he's going to pitch very well. He pitched very well in his last outing. I'm scared that he's going to go out, get his momentum, and then not be in for his next scheduled start. The, it, it's very underrated the routine of a starting pitcher. You pitch every five days. When you miss your start, it, it completely knocks off your routine. My guess is we're going to bring someone up from Worcester. Great city, by the way, Worcester. One of the best cities in New England. The yep. second best city in New England. Um, my guess is we're going to bring up someone from there 
to start. It might be a bullpen day as well, which you really can't have against Toronto because you need the rest of your bullpen for every other game that you play against Toronto because they're, I mean, the bat is so electric. Um, and we're going to bring Hauk down to pitch in Worcester on that Tuesday just so we can get a scheduled start in. It's it's not going to be against the major league players. Um, but just losing that momentum is low-key a very underrated thing when it comes to pitching. And that gets me nervous because we need Hauk to really step up. And I kind of trust Hauk to step up. And I think that if he can make all his scheduled starts – and I'm not going to say anything about his vaccination status because that honestly doesn't affect me at all. Um, but but I just want to see him get in his routine and, and, and really step up because that's a guy, as a Red Sox fan, that I believe in. He's a young guy. He brings a lot of energy on the mound. And, and he's fun to watch when he pitches. And he's very fun to watch when he's on. Um, so, yeah, th- th- those are really the main concerns I have with this pitching as for the hitting, um, Devers has been very good. Um, he's really attacking the ball. J.D. Martinez, like you always say, Stav, some swings it just looks like he literally doesn't have limbs or bones in his body. They're all broken. Um, sometimes he'll hit the ball, and it's like, wow, he just hit that ball 700 feet. Um, J.D. Martinez, we need a little bit more consistency from him. The good thing is he's going to be our DH the whole season. We won't need him in the field at all which is awesome. Like, he can't play in the field anymore. He's that old. Xander Bogarts, we saw him kind of step up uh, once he came back home. I I hope he keeps up that momentum. We just really need our guys that were good last year to go back to where they were, and I'll be a lot less nervous. No, I 100% agree. I'm glad to see uh, Xander Bogarts kind of lift the – the lid off of his bat, if you want to kind of put it in basketball terms. He had his first home mm-hmm. run Saturday. We got to see that in person. Verdugo staying hot, like I just said. I mean, it's an exciting time. You know, this it, this next week is a real test for this team. I feel like we've kind of faced a little lackluster teams. I mean, minus the Yankees, but the Yankees aren't really performing up to standards. Blue Jays are a huge test. This is a huge home stretch mm-hmm. for us. They need to win. They need to win the series. We need to have a series win. You know, we we beat the Tigers in the series, but it still wasn't even a pretty series win. You know, I mean, I mean it was the Tigers. Yeah, exactly. Like we t- we split with Minnesota. Minnesota is a pretty good team, but I I think their pitching is very weak, and I think the offense should have played better. Um, we lost the Yankees series, so it's time for the offense to step up a little bit more, and it's time for the bull. I mean, I don't even want to say the bullpen has been pretty well. I mean, minus today with Cutter Crawford walking like 10 batters, but at the time of supporting Monday. Cutter Crawford had, had an awful outing. Yeah. So it's like Whitlock's awesome. Uh, Hansel Robles is playing well. Phil Valdez is even playing well. I like so, Valdez. You know, these guys, a lot, a lot of guys are are stepping up, especially mm-hmm. in the bullpen. The bull, I feel like the bullpen is maybe taking it personal. Like, we're not going to be the, the group to derail this team. So – it's time for everyone else to step up. It's kind of getting a little annoying when we're, le- we're consistently leaving runners on second and third with one out in the inning. Yeah, and, and I think that's something we'll clean up. Like you said, we're three series in to this season, stuff, and a loss to the Yankees, which, I mean, the, those are one. I mean, it's the Yankees, right? It's a rivalry, and, and at the end of the day, it, it's it's up in the air for who's going to win that series, and, and it was at Yankee Stadium. They got the best of us. 
um, in that series. We went out, we beat Detroit in Detroit, uh, which is expected. And, and then Minnesota is, again, one of those where it's like the Red Sox low-key are favored in this series. But um, it, it, it really is up in the air. But this is one of those series where you really just need to pull through and, and win it. Um, especially going up against this tough stretch of the next nine game, ten games, because we we have the four game slate against Toronto to finish it off, where we have the AL East, right? And then we go to Baltimore, who absolutely destroyed the Yankees uh, last week because the Yankees are just absolute. Uh, I almost just said a bad word, um, but I mean, I'm happy that we get to play Baltimore at the end of it. I I hope that the fact that we're playing great competition will make us step up. And, and you know what? I kind of trust us to do it. So I'm excited to see what happens here. Um, but that's honestly all I have for the Sox for now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I mean, I think that's a good ending point for this episode as my room is getting progressively darker. But we saw my lights go off once. It, it, it happens for me often. So it's exciting time. Sports are on full steam ahead. You know, NBA playoffs are exciting as ever. MLB season's off to a great start. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say for today's episode. I mean, Griff, you want to close it out? Yeah, for sure. We hope you guys enjoyed. Congratulations to Will for running the Boston Marathon. Um, me and Stav on the duo episode for the first time ever. We will catch you guys at the end of the week. Enjoy your week and peace. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.